Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with Michael Zapersky. Michael's an entrepreneur, he's a coach to elite consultants, and he's the CEO of ConsultingSuccess.com, which, by the way, is a fantastic URL. I wish I'd grabbed that one. Uh, he is the, the leading authority on marketing for consultants and uh, and for small consulting firms, and uh, he's particularly an expert at pricing strategies. In fact, some of the articles that he's written uh, in the past on, on his site on pricing strategy are worth going and hunting down and finding. Uh, his previous clients include Billion Dollar Global Organization's top consulting firms. And uh, in, in addition to working with those big companies, he's coached and trained hundreds of consultants as part of his accelerator coaching program. And uh, I think over 6,000 consultants have taken his uh, his courses and his workshops. So, uh, Michael, really great to have you here. We haven't spoken in a while, but uh, really excited to have you on the podcast. Hey, Steve, uh, a real honor and excited to catch up with you as well. Yeah, so, I, I, we got a lot to cover, um, but before we really, you know, get into the meat of things, uh, I'd love for you to give everybody a little bit of background and context so they understand how you got to kind of this point in your career. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I started off uh, back in way back in uh, college, university days, started a consulting business with uh, my cousin Sam, and uh, we th- that was in a very different space than we are today. But it was initially around kind of like web development. This was the early days of kind of what was happening in that area, and we grew that business, got a lot of good experience, and from there started another consulting business, uh, which I ended up actually going over to Japan and opening up a branch office. So. Uh, had the fortunate uh, experience of working with some very large Japanese companies like Panasonic and a whole bunch of others, Dow Jones Japan, Financial Times Japan, uh, many in the B2B space. Uh, and that was a really great learning experience, kind of parlayed that uh, into when I came back from Japan to North America, started a, another consulting business, this time kind of in the lead generation space, really focusing on working with professional services firms. And uh, did that for, for many years. And uh just kind of you know thought one day you know what I'm learning so much over the, the years of building these different consulting businesses what if I like started writing articles about it and just shared stories from the trenches and what I was going through because certainly there's a lot of great you know exciting experiences but um, there was a lot of challenges right a lot of learning experiences so that's kind of how consultingsuccess.com was was born was out of just wanting to share and to you know help others learn from both the successes as well as the mistakes that uh, I've made o- over the years. And, you know, now we're in a place where we work with a lot of consultants all around the world, helping them to to grow their businesses. Yeah, well, and you guys have been publishing really fantastic content and uh, some really great insights there. And and like I said, I, I we met years ago in a mastermind group, but um, I've been going to your site to pick up little nuggets and fine tune what we do. So it's uh, it's definitely a great resource. Thank um, you. And You've got a new book out, um, which I know we're going to dive into a little bit more. I've got my copy here. Thanks for sending this to me called The Elite Consulting Mind. Um, Really great book. And you've got 16 proven mindsets to attract more clients, increase your income and achieve meaningful success. And uh, I, you know, you you can't really see it here, but I've got uh, dog-eared pages and and, uh, lots of notes. So we'll we'll get into that. Sure. Before we dive into all of that, I know that... um, in the course of building the couple of uh, firms that you've built, um, actually more than that now, what are you, you're on business three or four, I think. Um, yeah, there's been a few more in there, a few uh, sales over selling a few businesses as well, but uh, yeah. yeah, who's counting? 
Yeah, well, you know, we we all run into the, the roadblocks along the way. It's never a smooth sail. So what are some of the things that you've drawn on to be able to push through that when you, you've run into difficult times? Yeah, I think that's a really, really great question, Steve. Um, the biggest one that I would say that really kind of comes to my mind um, is commitment. And that's a big word, right? I mean, there's you can think about commitment in a lot of different ways. But I think these days, um, more than ever before, we are all as, you know, if you're kind of in professional services, if you're a consultant or you're in that space where you're kind of really leveraging your expertise, we're all surrounded by, by so many options, right? Like so many shiny objects and things that we could be doing to grow our practices or our businesses, ways that we could spend our time. Uh, and I just, I see uh, far too many people who kind of go down these, these little rabbit holes you know, they, they're on some webinar and it, and it kind of promises something new or they pick something up and it's, you know, it's exciting and they, they look at that as a possibility. And I think that's good, right? It's always, it's always good to look for ways to improve. But because we have so many options these days, the challenge, the real danger is that we, we start something and then we find that the next exciting thing comes our way and then we jump onto that and we really then don't make as much <clears throat> progress. And I think one of the biggest kind of guiding principles that we've used in our business over the years that has really served us well. It's being focused. It's uh, kind of ignoring, I may not ignoring, but pushing to the side a lot of opportunities that come our way, uh, not because those opportunities couldn't pay off and not because those opportunities couldn't necessarily add significant revenue to the business or you know be exciting or fun to try out, but it's because we've crafted a plan uh, that's intentional and strategic and we've just stuck to it and so some people might look at that and say well you're missing so much and there's so much more that you could be doing but at the same time it it's kept our sanity you know it's it's, it's helped to um to kind of push the potential for overwhelm to the side because we always know what we need to be doing um, certainly we, we look at new developments uh and we're always looking at new developments for our clients but really kind of keeping the the commitment to the plan that we've made and and sticking to it has been something that uh, I think a lot of people could really benefit a lot more from. And, you know, you got to make sure you have the right plan in place. But as long as you, you do, then really making sure that you're working that plan consistently and being committed to it rather than trying something new. And then, you know, as soon as the next new thing comes around, you try that and then you try that. And oftentimes people just don't give enough time to what they're doing to really see if it's working. And then they hop on kind of that, that next shiny object and wonder why they're not making as much progress as they would like to. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you said something a moment ago. You said you got to make sure you have the right plan. And I think that's where people get tripped up is that mm -hmm. in the early days of any strategy, no matter what it is, sometimes it's, it, you know, it's difficult to see the real payoff. And you feel like it should be going faster. You have that that time period in there at the beginning where, yeah, maybe the results are beginning to happen, but they're not happening happening very fast, and it doesn't feel right. like you're really going anywhere. And to persevere through that and trust that, hey, I've got the right strategy, because then that's the stage where I think it's really uh, it's really tempting to look at that, you know, whatever's on that webinar or you know the the next launch that's going on. Hey, maybe I need that thing. Um, yeah, people. I think a lot of people find okay that they're they're seeing some level of success, right, or, or something is happening, or in some cases maybe it's not happening yet. But then they say to themselves, well, how much better could things be if I added on to what I'm already doing, or if I changed 
what I'm doing. Um, and I understand that, right? A lot of people have this mindset that addition right, is more powerful to add to your business. What else can I do? What else can I add? But in fact, I think if you look at the most successful companies and businesses out there, uh, they are masters not at addition, they're masters at subtraction, right? They find what can we remove from our business or how can we make our model even more simplified? Um, and that that takes like, you know, it takes a lot of commitment. It's hard, especially when we're all bombarded with these new exciting offers all the time. It's It's easy to see how you could say, well, yeah, but if I added this to my business, you know, I could sell like a classic example, I was just having a conversation with a consultant just before you and I jumped on, and they said to me, Michael, you know, I'm doing fairly well in my consulting business, uh, but I want to take things to the next level. But do you think I could I could add on and start selling like eBooks and pro you know pro like products and courses? And I was like, Yeah, sure, you could do it. But if we spent time talking about that right now without solving these other issues that you've just told me about, that would be a real disservice to your business because you could see a significantly greater impact just focusing more on the path that you're already on and optimizing that rather than just adding on something completely new. Not that you shouldn't do it, not that you can't do it, but it may not be the right um, you know, focus for you right now. Yeah, I think timing is really important. Um, you know, I've become a fan of this word seasons lately. Mm -hmm. um, and I think finally begun to accept the fact that there are seasons in life and there are seasons in your business. There are times when certain strategies and certain approaches make a lot of sense and, and times when they don't. Mm -hmm. And you've got to match the approach that you're taking to, to growing the business to where you are in the cycle of the business. And, you know, it's really been interesting the last um, probably the last two years. Um, we've we've kind of cracked the code on a system to attract leads for our consulting programs. And I've had as a result, I've had just a tremendous number of one on one calls with uh, professionals who are at some various stage of growing their business. And mm -hmm. it's it's been enlightening because what I discovered out of all of that is that for for really probably most of the businesses on the planet, they don't need hundreds of customers. They don't need thousands of customers. If they had a really consistent way to add two to 10 a month, mm -hmm. it would change their lives, right? And I would sure. imagine for the consultants you're working with, the same is probably true because they're dealing with, you know, very valuable, but very small number of clients. And you don't need big elaborate systems to do that. You need right. very simple systems, but you need focus. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm really pleased that you brought that up because I think that that is really one of the difficult things for, for, uh, people mm -hmm. right now to deal with because of, of all the options that are out there. That's right. So I know you've got a new book out and I want to dive into that um, and, and kind of unpack some of the things that you have um, in there. Before we do that, I want to take a quick pause. We're going to be right back with more from Michael. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon, and I'm back with Michael Zapersky. And um, and Michael, you just shared, a, a, I think, a, some of the best wisdom that we've had on the podcast. 
uh, around the need to focus and simplify. In fact, you wrote about it in the book. Um, and I guess I'd love for you to tell everybody a little bit about the book first and, uh, and what motivated you to write it. But then I'd like to dive into some of these 16 different principles that you've built into the book, because I think they're, they're very powerful. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, you know, Steve, I wrote the, the Elite Consulting Mind really because I think that more than, more than tactics and more than strategy, uh, the biggest factor in, in all of our success as consultants and you know, professional service providers is our mindset. I mean, you can have all the tactics and all, all the, the strategies uh, in the world. You can be armed with the latest technologies. Uh, but if you don't have the right mindset, you're ultimately not going to create what I call meaningful success, right? Success that really matters. I'm not talking only about money. Uh, I'm talking about obviously growing revenue and, and sales and profit, but at the same time, doing it in a way that you have a business that is meaningful to you, right? And so for some people, that means spending more time with family and loved ones. For others, it means freedom and flexibility to, to travel and work from anywhere. Whatever it is, whatever meaningful success is to you, uh, that's that's really what it's all about. And so you know, as I've worked over the years, I've been you know building consulting businesses now for almost 18 years. Um, I've worked with with hundreds of consultants all around the world, and just time and time again, like the factor that I see that separates those that are experiencing really great success in their business from those that that aren't or are struggling, uh, the biggest factor comes down to to their mindset. And so, uh, in you know the elite consulting mind, really what I've done is compiled 16 of these mindsets. There's, there's obviously more, but these are the ones that, that I see a lot and hear a lot from clients and from people that we work with or in workshops or in trainings. Uh, and I've just kind of gone through, explained my take on them and how they can impact people and how to look at these situations in, in a different way. Um, you know, really what it is is the kinds of conversations that I would have and do have on a regular basis with our clients, but put into a, into a book form. Uh, and my hope and real goal with it is that people can unlock this potential that they have. I mean, it's potential, I think, that so many people have inside of them, but they just haven't realized it yet because they haven't allowed their mindset to shift from where it is, right? People are usually very focused on what they know and what they see right now, but there's a lot more within them. There's a lot more greatness, a lot more capacity to, to do things that they maybe dream of but haven't been able to actually create yet. And so by shifting their mindset by maybe having this kind of conversation and giving them real life examples from our clients, which is what the book does uh, and, and gives uh, my real hope is that people can can realize more of, of their true potential to create more meaningful success in their businesses. Well, the, you, the way you've organized this really, it, it makes it easy for somebody to come into the book and you know, you can either go through it start to finish or you can sort of pick and choose where you're having an issue. Um, and, you know, as you as you look at the 16 different mindsets that you've cataloged in here, are there some that you feel like are more important than the others? If if somebody gets the book, is there some place to focus first? You know, I think that's a really great question. And uh, there's some that are more common, I would say, but there is no right or wrong. I mean, I, there's one chapter that talks about kind of like the you know the best model, right? A lot of people out there now are always saying, well, like this is the best model, the best strategy, the best tactic, and I, and I just say baloney. You know, that's I don't believe there's a best. I think it really depends on your specific situation, your specific goals, and so it's the same idea with with the right model. Like back to what we were just talking about previously. 
there's many people that Steve, you and I probably know who, um, and probably, you know, we would know the same people even who run very, very successful, like information product businesses. That's what they do. That's what they, that's their model. There's others who, you know, who are doing very personalized one-to-one service delivery, right? Lots of different models. Everyone can be successful at them, but there is no just one right way or, or one right model. And so I think the same thing kind of back to your question, like, is there, you know, uh, one chapter that people should start with? I would say no, because it depends on where you are at. For some people, you know, one chapter um, might just be very relevant for the mindset of the challenge that they're having right now where they're getting hung up. Uh, but one big one, if we, you know, if we were to start with one, maybe just for, for the sake of this conversation, I think a lot of people uh, have an issue with, I'm a very big believer, and I use the term a lot with my clients, of imperfect action. Uh, and I think that there is a lot of opportunity that people leave on the table because they don't take action. Uh, and this can be applied to you know, their marketing, to going out and trying to have conversations with prospects, to a lot of, you know, to a lot of different uh, aspects of, of business. But people don't go because they're trying to always perfect things. They want things to be just right before they go out, before they tell the world about it. And in effect, what they're doing is is delaying their progress, right? If we really think about it, at the end of the day, if we're selling consulting services, and we use this as the example here, and if you're selling those services, well, you don't sell those services without having a conversation, right? You need to have a conversation with uh, with, the, with the ideal client, with the buyer. Well, so if you need to have a conversation, then it would probably make sense to you know focus on having conversations with people and go out there and get that kind of feedback. But what a lot of people do is, they do almost everything possible not to have a conversation, right? They spend time updating their website or creating some, you know, fancy materials or they think about this presentation or they, they prepare and they, you know, they're just kind of going in circles, but they're not actually getting out there and having the conversation or going to where their ideal clients are to get feedback. Um, you know, even with, with people's messaging, they think about, well, you know, what should my value proposition look like? And they spend weeks upon weeks and sometimes months trying to perfect their value proposition. But if you really think about it, like what's the best way to get feedback and to know if you have the right value proposition? It's not, it's not what you think, right? It's about getting that feedback from the marketplace. So how do you do that? Well, put it out there, right? Get it in front of people. And there's different ways to do that. But at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to get it out there. It doesn't need to be perfect. It shouldn't be perfect. Uh, I think Reed Hoffman, um, shared a really good quote years ago about when he built LinkedIn, which was that if you wait to launch your, your business, something along the lines of you, like if you wait to launch your business or whatever it is, your, you know, your product, uh, like to the point where it's actually looks, looks good, then you've waited like, you know, way too long. You should be getting your product out there just even when it doesn't look that good. Um, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of smarts in that comment. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in that idea of imperfect action. I believe that a lot of people would be better served, would, like, would make a lot more progress, would feel a lot more momentum in their business if they didn't hold on to this idea of perfection, but rather just got it out there, right? Just put what they have out there and build on that. Well, I, the, the thought that you could get it to perfect in the first place is, is a, a really scary thought, right? Because that's never going to happen. Uh, right. No matter how much time you spend on it, it's never going to get there. And I think a lot of times the reason that that people get stuck in that, they start looking at what they perceive to be the ideal. They look at what, you know, maybe a competitor is doing. Maybe they mm -hmm. look at, you know, they look at Michael Zapersky and here's what he's done and built two consulting businesses. And I've got to have it as perfect as Michael would have it. And sure. uh, and they think that there's some ideal that that they're 
kind of trying to go meet, but it just it's always elusive. It's always moving away from you. Um, and instead of putting it out there and actually getting getting a result and 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 creating the learning, the dangerous thing with the the learning part is you might not like the lesson that you're taught the first time or the second mm -hmm. time or the third time, right? Because there's risk in that. And that's where I think people get caught up. Um, I'm, I know you, you run into this with your clients. We run into it with ours that oftentimes a lot of the, the input that we, we give them is really more akin to, you know, doing like therapy than it is anything else around, you know, here's your message and here, here's the way we're going to put it out there. And yes, it's okay to put it out there. It's okay if it's not exactly, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the perfect language. But you got to get it out there because it's not going to sell yeah. anything if you don't get it out there. So that, that's the mindset piece, Steve. I mean, yeah. really, that's what it comes down to is it's the mindset to uh, to allow in, in this specific case to allow yourself to try things, to learn, to look at a potential uh, you know mistake and actually just see it as as a learning experience and, and actually realizing that the most successful people, um, entrepreneurs, you know, lots of different business owners, uh, the most successful are those that are trying, you know, more and more stuff. They're putting stuff out there. Um, another kind of angle on this would be talking about offers, right? I talk about this in the book as well, about how important it is to make offers. A lot of consultants, professional service providers hold back on offering their expertise because they're worried. They feel like they're going to be seen as salespeople and they're going to be, you know, uh, perceived as being pushy. But if you really think about it, like you're there to, you're, your whole, you know, you're there to help. Uh, you're there to offer expertise to to create transformation, but you can't do that if you're not engaging, if you're not working with that person. You can't work with them if you don't make an offer. I mean, most people find that uh, business doesn't just come to their feet over and over and over again. At least not to get you know business to a sustainable level. You have to make an offer. If you find that there's someone who you can really help and provide value to, then it's in their best interest and your best interest to, to make that offer. But a lot of people have this hesitation. Uh, and that's also just a mindset is to you know shift it to see why it makes sense um, so that you feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, and you know, getting through that process is difficult. Um, you know, and we've all had to go through it. I know that it's difficult, but uh, even with, with really from the outside, what we would call very successful business owners. We've got a couple of clients that have come through in the last year who have thriving businesses that have been around for, you know, a decade or more. Mm -hmm. And they're now trying to go to that next level. And they, you know, they just have that little thing that's holding them back. They want everything to be perfect and instead of putting it out there. So I think that's actually a very good one. That applies in so many areas of the business. Um, if you can Get to a point where you're okay with just taking action, learning from it, and and I always find that that what makes that easier is is if you take small action. You know the, the whole mm -hmm. aim small, miss small. Right. You know if you if you take a lot of small actions and iterate quickly, it's not like you're going to go out there and make the gigantic million dollar mistake. You know those are hard to recover from, but um, but you certainly can go make take a small action and be a little bit off and not be harmed in any way. Well, I think the, the big, the problem with, with taking big action uh, is that if, if it's too big, then you're actually spending too much time, right? Preparing and not enough time getting it out there. And so yeah. this idea, as you mentioned, Steve, of, you know, the small action, but done consistently is what leads to a big action. So you're 
targeting and working towards a big goal, well, how do you get there, right? Break it down. What are the steps that are required? And then as long as you're taking those steps consistently, then you're going to make the progress to ultimately reach the goal that you're, that you're going after. Absolutely. So we've got folks listening who are at different stages of growth in their business. Um, and I always kind of like to, to break it down. And I, I think the three main stages for, for any professional business are sort of that getting off the ground, the, the zero to a quarter million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a quarter million to about three quarters of a million. And then from there, crossing that million dollar threshold, there are ones beyond that. But but for most of the businesses that, that we work with, I think those are sort of the threshold. So for for somebody at that lower level, who's they're getting started, maybe they're making an, an okay living right now, but they're just trying to get it going and sustainable. What are some of the things that they should be focusing on? Yeah, man, there's, there could be a lot and it just depends on, on what their situation is. Like I just had a conversation with a client who they just added about $46,000, I think, in, in new client business in the last two weeks. We had another client that brought in five new clients um, in the last two two weeks. And the first was a, an instance of focusing and kind of reworking their approach to proposals, right? Uh, in the past, they had a very different, much more kind of standard old style proposal process. So we helped them to rework that. In the second case, it was really about looking at their, their offers and uh, simplifying them and putting a, a lot better structure into them. So they weren't just doing kind of this, you know, customization um, you know, recreating their their delivery model with every new client. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of different things we could talk about, Steve. I'm happy to explore like either one of those, whichever you feel maybe, you know, listeners would, um, you know, would value most from. Well, I'll tell you that we get questions all the time about proposals. And so um, <laughs> I know that that's a big question. Like, how do I do this proposal so that people will uh, actually, you know, sign it? Um, yeah. So as you're working with folks through that process, what are some of the things you look for? Well, I think the, the first, the most important is for people to recognize that this is partly to do with mindset, but it's really of an understanding that the proposal is not meant to win business for you. Anyone that uses a proposal to win business is is really missing the point and will end up leaving a lot of money on the table, right? The proposal is meant just to confirm, is meant just to really get the acceptance from both sides formalized. Uh, and of course, you know, introduce things like pricing if that hasn't been discussed yet. But you should only be putting a proposal in front of someone once you've actually got to the point where they've given you acceptance, they, you know, that they've told you like, that sounds really great. Let's, you know, let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's explore how we can actually work together. And I, that I think is a really big issue because a lot of people, you know, one of the most common mistakes that I see people making is that they send proposals too early uh, and they use those proposals almost like their, their sales process, right? They try and include all this language in the proposal uh, to justify why the buyer should engage with them. But if you're doing that, if you really think about it, you know, what's going to be more effective in winning business? You having a conversation with a buyer where you can go back and forth to you know, discuss their issues and the, the opportunity for them or just one sided content in a document hoping that you're you know, conveying the right things. Well, obviously, you know, the first of having the conversation is going to be much more uh, effective. Yet a lot of people do the opposite. They try and use their proposals to win business. So that I would say is one big issue that a lot of people uh, deal with or face. The other uh, is, so in the case of this client that just, you know, out of the, the four or 6,000 in the last two weeks of new business, that really came from the switching from this old style proposal, which was pages and pages and pages, legalese, right, kind of very dry document to a proposal that's much more focused on value and on ROI. Uh, using the proposal to confirm 
the opportunity that you've explored with the buyer and then helping them to justify it, making it very easy for them to see like, yeah, this makes sense. If I make this investment, this is what I stand to gain from it. Um, that doesn't have to be complicated, but a lot, but so many people don't take that opportunity to really communicate ROI value and what the benefit is for the buyer um, in, in those terms, but in the proposal. And so what ends up happening is a proposal you know, comes into the organization and then if you're dealing with the single buyer and they have sole decision-making authority, that's fine. But in many cases, that proposal will be passed around. And so if it's passed around, the people that are seeing the proposal who are gonna give feedback to the person that you've been speaking with, they don't know everything that's gone on in the past. And so they're just judging the proposal based on what they see there. And so if you don't have these elements that can really help to communicate the value, then they're not gonna see the value and then their feedback to the person who is gonna make the, the decision isn't gonna be most likely as positive as you know, you'd like it to be. So it's really important that people include those elements. Um, and then another one that I've written some content on some articles before, this idea of like input versus output. Um, a lot of people in their proposals use language that is very focused on you know, like, here's what we're going to do for you, right? Here's our methodology. Um, here's our process. And it's all about them. They think that buyers are buying because of them, but that's not what buyers are buying. Buyers are buying a result. They're buying a transformation. They're, they're buying, you know, the, the end. Like, what do they actually get? So it's important that uh, as a consultant, you're really communicating not just what you're going to do. Like, it's fine to outline what you're going to do, right? Buyers want to know that. But much more important that is think about like the way I describe to my clients is when you're crafting these sentences in your proposal or these or these bullet points, <clears throat> there's two parts of them. The first part, tell them what you're going to do, but then tell them what they're, what the buyer is going to get from what you do, right? So we're going to do this, which creates this result for you. Uh, and so if you're always like looking at your proposal from the perspective of the buyer and thinking, okay, well, is it clear what the buyer is going to get? Is the value there? Do they see the ROI? Is it going to be an easy decision for them? Uh, then you're going to see that buyers will uh, really, you know, look at that proposal, have the value clear to them, and then the decision-making process for them becomes much easier. And the investment, even at higher levels, becomes much easier because they can justify that investment. Well, you start speaking their language. And you hit the nail on the head. I'm sitting here thinking as you were talking through the first part of that, that, yeah, the, the thing we see all the time is that the proposal is is really written as the laundry list of of things that that the consulting firm or the professional service firm is going to do. Right. And you know, from my prior life in engineering, I know that that we used to do that because it helped first of all helped kind of hedge us from scope creep, mm -hmm. which is that's a real thing and it's important. Um, but it, it can also really unsell somebody because now it almost sets up this sort of, you know, we're going to count the pennies kind of relationship. And that's not why anybody is coming to you. They're coming to you because they want an outcome. And they basically want you to, to tell them, I'm going to give you the outcome pretty much no matter what it takes. And I'm willing to pay X for that. And I know you've got to hedge some of that sometimes, but, uh, but that can get in the way of, of, uh, communicating really what the value is. And so thanks for bringing that up. I think that is a huge, huge takeaway for anybody that's doing proposals. Um, and, uh, you know, that one little shift can make a big, big difference. Yeah, it certainly can. Well, Michael, I know the book's out. Um, and thank you for uh, 
sending me a copy before it, it uh, officially hit. It's The Elite Consulting Mind. Where can folks go and find the book and, uh, and where can they find more about you? Yeah, so I mean, the book will be uh, on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle formats. Uh, but you can go, if you want the, kind of the, the book page on our site, it's consultingsuccess.com forward slash mindset book. Uh, and if you'd like uh, a free 52-page guide about growing your consulting business, you can also go to uh, consultingsuccess.com, and it's easy to find that in many different places. And you know, we have I think over 900 articles at this point now on consulting, with plenty of uh, interviews and um, you know, videos and all kinds of resources. So yeah, if anyone's looking to grow their consulting business, I think they'll they'll find something of value there. Yeah, definitely good stuff there. Go check it out. And we'll link that up uh, in the show notes. So if you're listening to this uh, on our website, you'll be able to find it there. If you're listening to this in iTunes, that link will be in the description for this episode. Michael, thanks so much for being on. Uh, great to catch up with you again. And congratulations on the book. Steve, a real pleasure. Uh, as always, we'll have to do it again soon. Yes, sir. Take care. You as well. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.